Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We're 49 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is With the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 21. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson, and I'm joined by our general manager, Rick Spielman, who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. And since it's mock draft Thursday, that means we're joined by CBS Sports Draft Analyst Josh Edwards. Going to break down his latest mock draft. And this one, Rick, it includes some trades. And in case you missed it, on the last yeah, show, well, Rick and I. Yeah, I do read the emails that we get. Apparently some oh, of us do and some of us don't. But it's amazing how you want to get off the hot seat and put Josh on the hot seat and throw his mock up. I guess you've been. <laughs> I, I learn something new every day about you, Ryan, as I go through this with you. And Rick, look at Josh's face. He looks super unexcited about the prospect of being on the Spielman hot seat. What do you think, Josh? No, I was just going to say some of us can take the criticism. So, <laughs> you know, Ryan, he was a little bit nervous about today. So I said, I'm going to step up. I'm going to take one for the team. Let's let's put this uh, mock draft on the chopping block. I appreciate you, by the way. And by, by the way, way, Josh, I respect all the work you did on this mock draft. <laughs> uh, I thought it was excellent, by the way. <laughs> I tried to get a lot of holes in this areas. one. I tried to give you guys some scenarios that were uh, a little bit different, something that was a little bit more thought-provoking. So we'll see how it goes. Rick is a man setting his ways, and I will tell you, Josh, different. It ain't going to fly on this podcast, but we'll find out. <laughs> Here we go. All right. In case you missed it on the last show, Rick and I were joined by Brady Quinn to talk about not just the big four quarterbacks in this class, but we gave Hinton Hooker some much-deserved love and even hit on some day three sleepers. That episode is in the podcast feed, so check that out. And by the way, as you know, Rick, we are now live three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 2 p.m. You can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And while you're there, subscribe and leave us a comment. And if the spirit moves you, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at NFL Draft CBS. All right, let's get to Josh's mock draft. Let's start at the top. Officially, the Bears are on the clock, Rick, but there is a trade. Josh, give us the details. Yeah, so I've got Houston moving up from number two overall to number one overall. The terms of that, um, Houston sends a 2024 first-round pick as well as the number 66 overall pick to move up one spot. Essentially, the move is to ensure that they get their quarterback of choice and that he does not end up in the division with their rival, the Indianapolis Colts. So I have them taking Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. So, Rick, tell me about the the details of this deal. Does that feel like too much, too little? What do you want to see? 
No, you're only moving up one spot, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Indianapolis uh, does get aggressive and what you're reading out there. And I can't imagine uh, Carolina not trying to throw their hat in a ring here. And so if this is the best deal uh, for Chicago, I would take it because you're still going to get the same player you would have taken at one. But I'd sure be a little bit patient uh, to see what unfolds. And, you know, a lot of this time people are saying, well, some of these trades will get done before the draft. The reason that I did not think you should do a trade before the draft is, God forbid, what if you moved up and you have, you know, your sights set on Bryce Young here and you do this a week before the draft or coming up. I remember when uh, the Jets uh, moved up to go get the uh, to get Wilson. Uh, and we were at that pro day when that actually happened, uh, or I, I believe it was that, or was it the San Francisco 49ers? 49ers game? moved up to three, moved up to three during that workout when we were That's out right. at BYU. Uh, but God forbid, what if the kid ends up getting arrested before the draft? What if he ends up getting in a car wreck before the draft and you gave up that draft capital and you had your sights, I know we're going to take this guy, but also something unfortunate happens, uh, and then, God forbid, you already made the trade uh, before you secured the player. So I always, we always waited till Thursday, um, did a lot of talking on Thursday, especially since the draft has been moved to prime time. You had all day to sit there and talk to a lot of people. I remember one of the drafts uh, that we moved up, with the uh, Cleveland Browns or the uh, Cleveland moved up with us to come get the running back, I believe from Alabama. And I can't recall his name. Trent Richardson. Yep. And we moved uh, down a couple spots, got, did receive a lot of compensation and ended up drafting Matt Khalil. So, but I didn't want to do that until I knew that the kid was healthy. And the other thing I don't, people don't realize is that we're calling all these kids uh, day before the draft, two days before the draft. Hey, anything we need to know about healthy, all that stuff, just double and triple checking. So there's no surprises on the draft night. Rick, I don't know if you know this, but Josh is a Browns fan. And I, I'm sure one of the most proudest, the, the proudest moment in his Browns fandom is the Browns deciding to trade for Trent Richardson. How, how did that work out for them, Josh? <laughs> Uh, not pretty, not not very well, if I recall. But they did get a first round pick for him later in another trade. Um, I believe the Joe Thomas selection was actually my my favorite day as a Browns fan. So yeah, Trent wanted, Joe Thomas, half a dozen. Just want to fact check you there, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Rick, you mentioned the Colts being aggressive. Well, in Josh's mock draft, they got ad- aggressive. They're now at pick number two. So the Bears are trading down again. What are they getting this time, Josh? So this time they get a 2024 first round pick as well as the number 79 overall pick to move up two spots. So you're looking at Chicago now getting two first round picks, two additional first round picks in 2024, as well as two additional day two picks. And with the number two overall selection, the Colts select Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. So, Rick, let me ask you about the quarterback here, because you are now on record officially. You can't change it. 1A is Bryce. 1B is CJ. So now they have their quarterback to, to pair with Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator who was hired as a head coach in Indianapolis. So tell me about that. And then tell me about what you're thinking if you're the Bears and you have pick number four, two first rounders next year, and then two additional pick 66 and pick 79. 
yeah, well, now that I'm on this side and we have to, and I'm assuming you guys have to grade the draft right after the draft, that would be an A++ uh, for the <laughs> Chicago Bears to, to continue to move down, especially with these teams needing quarterbacks. Uh, it's a whole different ball game than it was last year at this time because you would have never seen this type of movement last year. So Chicago has moved down twice. That would secure them three first-round picks in 2024, assuming they don't trade any of them. Uh, got multiple picks uh, on Friday, uh, which I think they needed to do because they gave away a second-round pick for uh, Claypool. 32 uh, overall, by the way. Yeah, which would have been actually a first-round pick technically at number 32. So they still have a lot of draft capital to be rebuilding this roster. And imagine if they drop down, still get a Will Anderson, and if they're comfortable with a Jalen Carter and come out with that much draft capital, not only for this year, but, geez, having three first-round picks in 2024 – uh, would be a heck of a job that Chicago did if they're able to accomplish this. So, Rick, let me ask you, let, let's assume Justin Fields continues to progress and he makes incremental improvements this year. He's not otherworldly, but he's going in the right direction. If you're the owner and you're talking to to Ryan Pace, the GM, um, Ryan Poles, excuse me, what are the expectations in 2024? Like, you should be thinking more wins and losses and possibly playoffs. Is that fair? Well, you should start thinking about it this year, depending on what they do in free agency with all the – okay. Uh, cap space that they have, how aggressive will they be there in free agency? And then you got an opportunity and hopefully you'll never ever pick number one overall again, and you don't have to take another quarterback. Uh, Then you should see significant progress this year. I don't think they'll be talented enough to win the division. Not that we're starting to, we don't even know what they're going to do in the off season, but you're going to see progress this year. And then 2024, it should be, knocking at the door to win the uh, NFC North, get into the playoffs. And if those you hit on those first uh, round picks, all three of them the following year, then let's see what happens. All right, uh, Josh, Rick and I have talked this to death, these quarterbacks. I'll ask you, why do you have Bryce? Why is that a good fit in Houston? Why is CJ a good fit in Indianapolis? Well, first of all, I just like Bryce Young as, a, as a, the better quarterback prospect in this class. I think he's just really sound in his decision making. He's capable of making those plays off platform. Tremendous leader, which you're kind of looking for in this franchise that's looking for a new direction with their first year head coach, uh, D'Amico Ryans. C.J. Stroud, I thought, really acquitted himself well in Indianapolis. I thought he threw the ball well. He was accurate. I know everybody wanted to talk about Anthony Richardson after what he did athletically, but I thought C.J. Stroud was the most polished in the way that he distributed Uh, the football during the on-field portion of the combine. So he has kind of distanced himself a little bit in that number two spot, but I still like Young and what I saw on film from him this year. And that's interesting, Rick, because Josh covers Kentucky all year round too. So he knows Will Levis and all those players coming out of Kentucky. So he is not quite yet sold that Will Levis is in the QB1C conversation. We'll see where. I I agree with Josh. I do 100%. Everyone we bring on the show, Rick's in full agreement with, and then his co-host has to has to literally pay him off to be one or two positive comments. <laughs> but it is what it is, Josh. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back in just a second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, if you're watching on YouTube, use that QR code in the top right corner to sign up for the With the First Pick, Pick 6 Bracket Challenge to compete against your favorites like us and your least favorites like Will Brinson and John Breach. And if you're listening to the podcast, use the link at the top of the episode description. Go Tar Heels. All right, let's get to number three in your mock draft, Josh. This is mock draft show number 4.0 if you're watching on the you know, With the First Pick YouTube channel or listening on the audio version. Number three, the Cardinals are staying put. That's the first time that a, a team that is picking exactly where they started the, the day. Who are the Cardinals taking? With the number three overall selection, the Arizona Cardinals take Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter, despite the recent reports. Um, yeah, I imagine this one's going to be a little bit controversial. But that is that thing, my young man. <laughs> a fine young man that you are. <laughs> well, let's hear. So to me, I don't think at the end of the day, once we kind of get through this process, especially with it being more than – uh, a month out at this point in time, I feel like this is going to get swept under the rug a little bit as we get closer to draft night. What do you think, Rick? Well, the only thing that I would say is you have a first time head coach. You have a first time general manager. There's going to be a lot of expectations placed on them. They have to change the culture. I am not talking about Jalen Carter, the football player, because I think he is the number one defensive player in this draft. I'm talking about with your first draft and all these issues aren't resolved and hopefully they'll be resolved by them. But by then, but if not, then you're taking a legitimate chance on a potential character player coming into your building and you have Will Anderson still sitting out there who is as great a kid as there ever has been, uh, not only a great football player, but uh, everything you want on and off the field, and he's going to be a dominant pass rusher off the edge. You have to look at their edge pass rush situations, although we're not allowed to disagree, I know, in between these. Are we, Ryan? Or can go we, for it. Yeah, go yeah. for it. I would have went with the edge rusher because I think that's a bigger need for the Cardinals and a safer if you want to put that term on a player, safer pick. But Rick, let me ask you this. And there have been conflicting media reports about Jalen Carter, the person, not, <clears throat> excuse me, putting aside uh, the, the terrible tragedy that happened with the, the two young people that died in that racing incident. But what if you're the GM and you get reports from area scouts that say, oh, he's a good kid. Everyone from um, Kirby Smart to to the janitor says that he's a great guy, and then you get some other reports, maybe from security, that he's not a bad kid. But there's some things that you wish you weren't doing that typical 22 year olds do. 
Are you still then leaning towards Will Anderson because he's squeaky clean or are you giving it consideration? Well, those are the things that you have to discuss in the draft meetings and you're going to have to make those decisions. You're going to have to make those decisions with your owner uh, because if you do bring in a potential character guy, how are you going to handle that press conference? What's the image? How does it affect the business side? Could you potentially have a sponsor or a partner uh, with your team jump because they don't want to be associated with this? So there are a lot of other factors that you have to uh, take into account when you're trying to make these decisions. And if everything is clean, there's no question Jalen Carter would be a dominant three tech, which is a lot harder to find because I think there's some good edge rushers in here. But if you're not sure, then take the clean guy, take the for sure thing and go with Will Anderson. And you, you said this before on the show in a vacuum, you don't find Jalen Carter growing on trees and that's who you roll with. But obviously there are other things you have to consider. So that brings us to pick four. The bears finally get to make a selection unless there's a trade down. What happens here at four, Josh? Yeah, so I guess no trade down. <laughs> Chicago is actually going to stay put and make a pick here, and they do take the safer selection in Alabama edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. Chicago had the worst pass rush last season. They finished dead last in sack production. Anderson is a player that can certainly contribute towards improving that number in 2023. So, Rick, this is best-case scenario, anything they could dream up in that Bears organization to get all that draft haul and to still get Will Anderson for, right? A plus, plus, plus. Would you take any phone calls at four with Will Anderson still sitting there? Or are you going to stop there? I'm going to stop there. I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay, there's some blue chip prospects, especially at the top. Uh, and this may be the last true blue chip prospect. I know we're talking about Tyree Wilson and some of these other guys coming up. They're going to be very good football players in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if you can just put a check on them that they're blue chip, but they've got potential to be blue chip. Uh, but this is where it starts to fall off after Will Anderson for me a little bit. Well, Josh, you're hitting to, to mix sports here. You're hitting home run after home run. I applaud you for all the credit you're getting from our general manager, Rick Spielman. I am not in any way, shape, or form jealous by the the adoration coming your way. All right. Can I do my promo real quick? Read it. Yeah, uh, our, go ahead and read our, it. Our, our producer, Debo, just came into my ear. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Uh, Ryan Wilson, <laughs> I respect all the hard work you do to get prepared for these shows. You are truly great at your job. Was that Thank so you. hard? Was, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it is. <laughs> so pick five is very interesting here, Rick, because we had Brady Quinn on the show yesterday, and he actually floated this idea, and it sort of piqued your interest. And typically the Seahawks pick five, and I think they pick 20, and typically have had them going mostly defense. Sometimes I'll mix up with an offensive lineman at the bottom. I know you don't love that all the time. But, Josh, you're going in a completely different direction. They just signed Eugene Cyril Smith III to a, a deal he deserved. What are you doing at pick five for Seattle? So with the number five overall pick, I have Seattle taking Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Um, I know they signed Geno Smith to an extension. Uh, I'm reserving judgment here because outwardly it seems like it's going to be a one, maybe a two-year deal uh, based on the guarantees. I'm, I'm curious to see how that breaks down. If it's a true three-year deal, I'm probably taking this scenario off the table. But I like Levis here because he comes from a pro-style offense. He comes from a Rams-style offense because he's been coached by Liam Cohen the former Rams and now current Kentucky offensive coordinator. And Shane Waldron is the Seahawks offensive coordinator. So the two of them have a little bit of collaboration. Waldron came from Los Angeles as well. So I'm sure there's open communication between those two. 
Um, Levis is given the opportunity to sit and learn behind Geno Smith for a couple of years and eventually step into the spotlight where he is prepared to take it on himself. So, Rick, if you're taking a quarterback here and you're Schneider and Carroll, do you want Will Levis or Anthony Richardson given the players currently around them on that team? Yeah, the biggest question is in Seattle now, they will take players that have excellent combine numbers or true physical freaks, if you want to call them that, and try to develop them. And they truly believe in the program in developing players. And I would probably, knowing their history, may lean a little bit more if they do go quarterback to Anthony Richardson, although we poked holes in him as many holes as you can poke in a player. Hmm. Uh, but there is so much upside there in the freak athletic ability. And look at what Geno Smith is. I understand that, you know, he can throw the ball, but he's pretty athletic still, even at his age. Um, and they really turned his career around when he ended up in Seattle. So they may be thinking that, yeah, we like Will Levis, but we've got a Anthony Richardson there who is not ready. We can sit him for the next two years, learn from Geno, uh, similar not the same, but similar type traits, maybe a little bit more than Will Levis to Geno comparison is. But I could see them potentially going with a huge upside quarterback, especially if he does not have to play the first two years. And Will Anderson or Will Levis can uh, fit that as well. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. I know those guys pretty well. I think maybe they would lean towards Richardson over Levis. And I may be wrong, but that's where I would have leaned. All right, Rick Spielman, general manager, you're the Seahawks at five. Rank these in terms of where you would take them. Either quarterback that you want, Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson for the Seahawks. I'm taking the pass rusher. That's, yeah, because I think the pass rushers fall off pretty quick because you got Miles Murphy if you took Tyree Wilson. Then after that, there's a drop-off. Okay. And I need pass rushers, so I always look at the depth of the draft. And if I know I can swing around and let's say you needed a corner, I know there's going to be corners out there. It's a lot deeper position. So I would swing at a position if they're developed on the draft board that there's not a lot of depth after that player. Well, that would be the edge rush position. No doubt about that. All right, pick number six. Jeez, what's going on here? Another trade. Detroit's moving down from six to nine. The Panthers are coming up. What's the compensation and who are they taking? Yeah, so I have them moving up to take the last quarterback on the board, and that is Florida's Anthony Richardson. Um, as far as the trade compensation is concerned, I have, um, let's see, I have Detroit receiving number nine overall and number 39 overall, and then Carolina receives number six overall and number 93 overall. So you get a little bit of a, a pick swap there, but um Seattle, uh, Carolina, Detroit's getting a little bit of value in return in that pick swap. A lot of value, not to, just looking at this for the first time. So I would, I would take this deal if I was Detroit and run to the bank <laughs> before I yeah. got arrested for getting a deal like this done. <laughs> so, I mean, but Rick, you've seen probably owner-driven trades that don't make a lot of sense on paper on one side because they want a particular player. So, could you see this happening, or is Josh too okay. far afield? Yeah. And there's no way Carolina does not come out of this draft, in okay. my opinion, with one of these four quarterbacks. So they and may have to overpay. They're going to have to overpay, and there's a lot of pressure on that front office 
especially with Frank Reich coming in, uh, new head coach, new staff, but they have to get this quarterback position solidified. So if three are gone, they're going to, they still have the Las Vegas Raiders as a potential threat in front of them. So they're going to have to do whatever they have to do uh, to make sure they jump the Raiders to get that last quarterback. All right, let me ask you this, Rick. Matt Corral, third-round pick last year, didn't play at all because of an injury. He's the only quarterback on the roster, I believe. Jacoby Brissett is a popular name, but there, it feels like there will be eight or nine teams going to want him to, to be a, a bridge quarterback. So you bring in Anthony Richardson, even with Frank Reich there, even with Jim Caldwell on staff. What's your QB plan in 2023? Maybe you can see if I thought Sam Darnold did a decent job for him last year where he can be a bridge for maybe a year or half a year. Uh, to see where Anthony Richardson is, but they're going to have to get a bridge quarterback, whether that's like, you know, like you mentioned a Brissett, uh, but I don't know if Brissett's going to want to go into another bridge situation, although that's what he is. Um, that may be a great opportunity for him to get a couple more starts uh, before he yields the position to Anthony Richardson, uh, but they're going to have to get someone because I don't believe you throw Anthony Richardson to the Wolves right off the bat. Josh, let me ask you, what, what's going to happen to my QB1 from a year ago, Matt Corral, who uh, he said you had he's a QB1 a, he, a year ago. Thank God I wasn't invited on this show. He hit a rough patch, Rick. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, I think he would have got a more extended opportunity this past year if they felt like he was really the answer. And I think we wouldn't be hearing the type of rumblings that we've been hearing as far as Carolina's involvement with the quarterback markets. So I would say that. If you can find a trade partner, if that's, you know, what it amounts to in the locker room, then possibly that's an outcome. But otherwise, you know, he's probably just going to get bumped down the depth chart a little bit with an incoming quarterback. Yeah, that's not working out for me so far. So all my eggs are in the Mac Jones basket, which is a great place to be, I've been told. All right, pick seven. The Raiders are right there. They need a quarterback, as Rick noted. All four are gone. What are they doing here, Josh? So with the number seven overall selection, I have them taking Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez. Obviously would have loved the quarterback here, but with Carolina being so aggressive to get up to number six, you kind of have to take play the board as it falls. And Gonzalez is one of the premier testers, athletic you know, specimens in this draft class. So I think you're looking at the upside here at number seven and trying to justify and warrant this top 10 selection. So Rick, if you love these four quarterbacks, and you understand that Josh McDaniel's system isn't for everyone fresh out of college. And as you look at the Raiders roster in terms of players under contract, the only quarterback is Chase Garbers, not even Jared Stidham. Are you angry if you weren't able to pull this off? Or are you just like, well, <laughs> let's see what happens? No, they're going to have to do something at the quarterback. And Stidham, to me, is a backup because he's familiar with the system and he was able to function. You just lost out on all four of the top quarterbacks. So you you kind of put yourself in a box now that I hoped during free agency period that you went out and got a Jimmy G or something like that could come in and fit your system. Because if you don't and Sidham's your quarterback next year and you're ain't, you were not able to land one in the draft, uh, then you're going to probably have a setback from where you were a year ago. So the Raiders that pick seven, pick 39 and pick 71 as we sit here. What if they found a way in 50s or below? They'd say between pick 50 and pick 71. 
They they found their way there to get Hendon Hooker. Would you be okay with that? Oh, there you go. There you go. Let's put up uh, your banner back there. You got the Hendon Hooker jersey hanging up and the uh, background. <laughs> yeah. Although you say go Tar Heels, there's a Vols uh, <laughs> in your heart apparently. <laughs> but w- what about that? Yeah. No. I I think that uh, we've talked about Hendon Hooker, and I, I think he's going to go somewhere in the second round. I honestly okay. Do. All right. And I did talk to some people, although I'd rather make my own opinions and not talk to anyone. But it was mentioned to me because I brought up the age like we have. Well, he's coming off an ACL. He's going to be 25 years old. But look at how long these quarterbacks are playing now. That's what was brought to my attention. And they don't even hit their peak right now until they're 27, 28 years old. And then they go on to play another 9, 10 years, hopefully, if they stay healthy. So, some of the teams aren't going to be as concerned about Hendon Hooker's age. That's why I think that he will go definitely in the second round, in my opinion. You know, it's funny, Rick. I got a text from a scout earlier today that said, I'm glad to see Rick's finally coming along on Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker. <laughs> so you're turning the corner. Josh, where are you on Hendon? He's your QB5. Where do you have him? Where do you think he might go draft day? Yeah, he's QB5 for me. Um, I think the second round is entirely reasonable. When you're talking about a player of his age, I mean, that's a little bit easier of a pill to swallow once you get into day two and even into the latter portions of round one uh, where you're not making that top 10 draft capital uh, investment. So I'm totally comfortable with that. If if uh, Las Vegas were to miss out on the top quarterbacks in this class, I could see them taking a player like Hooker who is, you know, from all accounts, pretty cerebral at the quarterback position. Um, and somebody that is capable of stepping in and handling all of that Josh McDaniels offense. You mentioned yesterday, Rick, but you were impressed with Hendon when we spoke with him, right? Oh, this, uh, uh, what's your, the term you described? Young man. Yeah. (laughs) Outstanding young man. Outstanding indeed. (laughs) All right. We're to pick eight here. The Falcons are on the clock. I'm assuming that Desmond Ritter is going to have to be their guy. We'll find out if he's going to be the long-term answer or not. Third round pick last year, the second quarterback drafted, I believe after, only Kenny Pickett went in the first two rounds. What's happening with Atlanta at eight, Josh? Atlanta takes Texas Tech edge rusher Tyree Wilson, a player that, as as Rick alluded to, is, has not been as productive as maybe Will Anderson Jr., but somebody that is getting top 10 hype because of his athleticism, a player that is incredibly long, has that burst off the edge, but I think he's a little bit more unrefined as a prospect at this point in his career. So the hope is that, you're eventually getting a top 10 caliber player down the road, but I really like the potential of he and Arnold Ebiketti kind of growing together there in Atlanta. I love Tyree Wilson, obviously, because his last name's Wilson, but just his tape. And Rick, we saw him at the Senior Bowl, and we were told that it's not a list, Frank, but he didn't. He hurt the foot in November, didn't take part in the Senior Bowl, didn't take part in the drills at the Combine. He's, I think, going to try to work out his pro day not knowing anything other than what the media knows now because you don't have access to all the team medicals, how concerned would you be about how serious his foot injury might be? Yeah, uh, that would be uh, purely on what our doctors are telling us, you know, if it's something significant. If he didn't get surgery, the first question that I would ask uh, is, is there a potential of him re-injuring it and have having to get surgery uh, if that isn't completely healed. So I don't know the extent of the injury. I would make sure that I would put my doctors on the spot just so, and to ask them directly, if we take this kid, what's the guarantee that he's not going to re-injure the foot, which is unfair to the doctor. He can't guarantee anything, but I like <laughs> to 
hear what their opinion is and how strongly they feel about that the foot is fine or it may have potential of getting re-injured. I would imagine that the doctors in general err on the side of being conservative. Have you ever had an occasion where a player got injured that you were given the green light for and you came back and said, all right, what, what are we doing here? No, it's usually they're always on the uh, conservative side. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're always going to, well, you know, I can't predict that, but, you know, I would give him a pretty good chance. Well, what, what what's pretty good mean? It's kind of like you and your, you know, you love everybody. I love everybody. Uh, right? So uh, they don't love anybody. <laughs> if they had a hangnail, they don't love them. And that's actually smart. To your point, it's hard to, to pin it down on the doctors. They're just trying to give you a, an informed opinion, and then the rest is up to fate almost. All right, pick nine. The Lions traded down from six to nine. Here they are. They got an extra draft pick out of it. Just so you know, Josh, Rick's brother works in the front office, so this has to be a good pick. What do you have happening here for Detroit? I have them taking Illinois cornerback Devin Witherspoon. Um, I know he's going to be dinged a little bit for not working out at the combine, but I really like him as a player. I think he's feisty. I think he plays bigger than his size. Uh, He warrants this type of selection for me. I think he fits well into the Lions culture. Um, And now you add him to that cornerback room with Jeff Okuda and some of the other players that they've assembled there. But I think it's an upgrade at the cornerback position, but I like the culture fit there. Plus you got Kirby Joseph the safety out of Illinois last year, a couple of really well-coached players, maybe easing their transition to the, uh, to the league. So Devin Witherspoon here uh, upgrades the, the secondary for the Lions. So Rick Kirby Wilson, uh, Kirby, I always call him Kirby Wilson. Kirby Joseph didn't run at the combine or his pro day. I think because of a hamstring, it was some injury. Devin Witherspoon had the hammy that that's why he didn't work out last week in Indianapolis. I love him. I think I'm, I remember you liking him a lot too. I'll ask you this. Where are you on Devin Witherspoon with Joey Porter still on the board and even Deontay Banks who we both like? Or would you be more interested in someone like Lucas Van Ness or Miles Murphy, edge rusher here at nine? Well, I don't want to give a tease, but when we get down here into the bottom, one of the issues that I had with this mock draft is why wouldn't you take the pass rusher first Uh, because of the corner depth? But we'll talk about that soon. Uh, But both positions are need. They need to get better on defense, more athletic. They need to get faster. So you got to look at your draft board, understand, like I said earlier, where the depth is, where you're going to get two players. I mean, you put together a unicorn uh, mock draft in this this one. Because oh, please. That, it's not that great. <laughs> if it felt like this, I mean, <laughs> every team, all 32 teams would be high-fiving. We all get A-pluses from Ryan Wilson and his uh, draft Exactly. Grade. That's true. So, uh, but no, he's a good football player, but I don't know. I, you know, I don't know where he is on everybody's board. Um, but I like Joey Porter a lot because of his physicality. Not that this kid isn't physical, but he's bigger. Uh, so I may have leaned towards, if I had to take a corner here, uh, Joey Porter, and then always having that game against Ohio State, against Mr. Harrison Jr., uh, will, will kind of sway me to go his way. No, I get it. Um, Josh, any, why don't you tell us why you went with Devin as opposed to Joey Porter Jr.? I'm just a little bit more comfortable with Witherspoon at this point. I'm a little bit lower on Porter. I think he's over-aggressive downfield, and part of that is similar concerns that I had with J.C. Horn coming out of college. I know Horn has made a solid transition to the NFL, and that's something that I'm going to have to evaluate. But for me, I've, I'm a little bit more comfortable with Witherspoon at this point as a player. And 
Rick, that's something I, I brought with you too. When when a defender's too handsy down the field, you get away with it in college because they don't call anything. How hard is that to transition out of when you've been doing it for two and a half, three years? Yeah, I think that's all correctable with coaching. In fact, uh, I was with one DB coach in my career that we had a young corner that was too handsy down the field. So every day out at practice, he put boxing gloves on him. So ah. he couldn't grab anybody. So that taught him how to not use his hands and grab because there was nothing to grab and actually helped him uh, as far as using his feet and his body control and his speed uh, without grabbing the receiver downfield. So if you put boxing gloves, I thought it was a brilliant <laughs> idea on a corner that's grabbing all the time. It helped this player develop. Yeah, because you don't seem too caught up if the if the cornerback's athletic, tall, physical, fast, fluid. You don't seem too worried about the handsy part. No, that stuff's all correctable with coaching. And a lot of the stuff when we evaluated tape was, can this be corrected with coaching or can it? If he has stiff hips, you can't correct that with coaching. Um, but boxing gloves don't fix stiff hips. No, no. But boxing <laughs> gloves can fit being too handsy down the field. Look at that. I like it. All right. Pick number so 10. You learn something new every day on this podcast. That's I'll actually... Like I'll actually give you an example of that because there's a cornerback in this class out of Minnesota um, that I actually really like. His name is Terrell Smith. Yeah. Last year had a lot of penalties downfield. This fall, if you went to a Minnesota practice, you probably would have seen him running around with boxing gloves on. That is something that absolutely happened. And of course, the penalties went down. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's totally correctable. They're stealing your coaching tips, Rick. Oh, right no. I, I respect Josh for knowing that fact. And I didn't know that <laughs> fact because. The Minnesota corner actually did play or had a great combine. And yeah. I think he got on a lot of teams' radars uh, after that performance. And I haven't got an opportunity uh, to see him yet, but he's one of the guys I start to maybe go back and make sure you look at because I think he's going to surprise some people where he goes in this draft. By the way, Rick, be young. And all. <laughs> be young in the comments says that uh, Xavier Rhodes is his guest. He's a Vikings fan. I don't. You don't have to name names about the the cornerback, but that's B. Young's guest. I will not name names. I'll <laughs> keep the innocent innocent. <laughs> all right, we're to pick ten, Josh. Right before the break here, Eagles are on the clock. Went to the Super Bowl. Have two first round picks as we sit here. We'll see what happens. Who are they taking? I have them taking Iowa edge rusher Lucas Van Ness, a player that you and I have talked about quite a bit off podcast. I don't necessarily see it on film yet. He's a player that's built through power, but you see the testing that he had in Indianapolis this past week. You see a young player that has a lot of un uh, athleticism that is potentially untapped at this point in his career. So he lands in a situation where you've got a, a lot of very experienced, productive pass rushers to learn from. And of course, we all know that Philadelphia loves to build between the on the trenches so offensive line defensive line that's kind of where they like to go and lucas van ness is a solid uh double into the gap so rick they're not taking an interior defensive lineman here because jalen carter's gone and there won't be one worth taking for for a while here and we yeah, talked to Luke i don't know does brise or brise uh from clemson come into the mix here potentially they have yeah. four defensive tackles out i mean the two rentals they hired in sue and linville joseph you got Cox uh, and uh, who was the other? Uh, Devon Hargrave. Hargrave, who was an excellent interior pass rusher. But the way uh, the Clemson defensive tackle worked out, uh, he's going to open some eyes too. And understanding he wasn't 
And we're talking about Van Ness, who, who plays hard but needs a lot of technical work. Uh, but he has some flexibility to be a uh, play edge or also go inside. So he may have a little more value. Uh, but Brise, the Clemson kid, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't overlook that one as well here. Wow. 10. That's pretty high. And, and for different reasons, uh, to Josh's point, Van Ness and Brise had, had Brise had. Brise, not, is that how you say it? Brise, yeah. I made the mistake of pronouncing it like you pronounced it. I blew it right in my face. <laughs> well, you take all the bullets for the show and just uh, correct me as I'm sitting here just holding on to your coattails, trying to get through another podcast. I know. You're doing great, Rick. Thanks, you, I, I respect you, and I appreciate all you bring to the show. Um, you can't but, use my lines anymore. Okay. But Brazil as long as I'm a fine young man, and then that's yes. all I care about. <laughs> for different reasons, Van Ness and Brazil did had sporadic tape. I'll put it that way. Obviously, Brazil had the tragedy off the field with his sister. He was... He had various ailments that just seemed to randomly strike him and almost unfairly towards ACL the year before. Van Ness is just young. But to your point, Rick, Van Ness is probably going to add 15 pounds, and then he becomes much more versatile up and down the line. Brzee is mostly – he's not playing five-tech very often, I would think, mostly reduced. So given that versatility, are you being what, – what, who is your defensive line coach going to fall in love with more, I guess is what I'm asking. I think it's going to be Van Ness because okay. of the position flexibility and how young he is and all the untapped potential and everything that we've been talking about on this podcast is all of the things that are negative in Van Ness's game is, will be correctable with coaching. Exactly. All right. That's the top 10 of Josh's mock draft. This is mock draft Thursday version 4.0. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to look at the rest of Josh's first round pick. And then Rick's going to tell you what he likes and doesn't like. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Rick, let's take a look at Josh's mock draft. Picks 11 through 31. Why don't you tell me one of the picks that Josh made in that range that you actually agree with? Well, I was only allowed to pick one. So, oh, gosh. But Josh, uh, I would have picked the rest of them because I all thought they were excellent in the way you – came about and uh, the reasoning you put behind these. Uh, Have you been kidnapped, Rick? Have you been kidnapped? Blink your eyes. <laughs> Debo says that I have to be nicer to you people. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the one that I did like, which would be a steal, uh, which is unrealistic. But if that happened, when you had, Miles Murphy going all the way down to Detroit at number 18. Unrealistic, but that would be a home run. You just got the corner first and then the pass rusher second, which 
is not going to happen because Miles Murphy <laughs> will be gone because he's the next best pass rusher off the edge, and they go and they're a premium. So that's what we talked about earlier. I would have took him with their first pick and then came back and got whichever corner you had left, and I would take probably Deontay Banks because I love Banks and know his style of play. But this is a dream scenario, unrealistic scenario, but dream scenario if Miles Murphy was all the way down there and you had him fall that far, which I don't understand that reasoning, but that's why I'm here on this podcast to learn. So, Josh, Miles Murphy just turned 21 a few weeks ago back in December, back in January, excuse me. And like Van Ness, he's incredibly raw, 6'5", 275. You can see it there. Why do you have him falling, and why do you have Van Ness going 10th, for example? Yeah, that's perfectly valid. Um, I actually have Murphy as a top 10 player in this class. I love him. Um, he didn't do the testing at the Combine. I think he's going to test off the charts when he does get that opportunity. Uh, just the way that the board fell, he kind of slid down a little bit, but I'm kind of thinking that because he didn't test, maybe the buzz is a little bit lower right now, but I fully expect uh, for it to reach the point where I thought he was at the beginning of this process, which is a top 10 prospect in this class. However, I will say that I don't think the 2022 film was as good as 2021, but I also do think that he is that caliber of a player to be taken in the top 10. I agree. And also, as Rick will note, I love the fact that he's a genius. His uh, his brother's a mechanical engineer. He takes education very seriously. Rick, can you be too smart as a football player? Is that a conversation or is that just media creation? That's media creation. Okay. Uh, can you be too dumb? It, that that's a that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> you can't win with dumb football players. That <laughs> okay. one I guarantee is a fact. The okay, other so. one, I don't think you can be too smart unless you're so smart that you end up playing by the numbers. Yeah. And not playing with natural instincts because you're overthinking everything. And we always got into the conversations. He wants to do everything right. So he's painting by the numbers. A gotcha. to B, uh, trying to stay within the lines and just instead of going out there playing half fun. So not the smarts, but just the, the uh, instincts and the natural playing without having to think. If that so makes football, sense. like every other walk of life, don't be the dumbest one in the room is what you're saying. Yes, unless okay. you're a corner, because then you forget about when you get beat. You're right, lining right back up the next uh, the uh, next play and going after that receiver because you forgot about that you just got beat for a uh, 50 yard touchdown. By the way, Josh, I don't know if you saw yesterday's show with Brady Quinn, but as you know, Rick loves competitors, but even he thought Brady went overboard at the combine when Brady, who had a torn PCL. A uh, knee injury was recovered from that. Decided he was talked into doing the bench press as a quarterback. He put up 225, 24 times. And even Rick was like, you know what? That That's a little overboard for me. Yeah. And which is hard to get overboard for me. But that one is, that one was, why does a quarterback have to bench? By the way, my quarterback is strong and they're so tight through their upper body. Then you can see that on film and they're not natural throwers. So, Rick, you'll appreciate this. My 15-year-old is, uh, you know, he's lifting weights. He's trying to get stronger. He doesn't care about football. I don't think he could name two football players. But uh, he went to the gym. I like following his dad's footsteps, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He actually does my mock drafts for me, so that explains a lot. But uh, he went to the gym with his buddy yesterday. He's about five, seven and a half. He probably weighs 130 or something. And he put up, he said, I almost got 140. So he can get the two plates, but he can't get 140 up yet. I said, well, let me tell you a story. Uh, Brady Quinn, who was probably 6'4", 230 or whatever, uh, his senior year, he put up 225 
24 times. And I thought my son was going to, going to fall down and not be able to, to, he said, I don't know anyone in high school who can do 22, 25 more than one and a half times. So Brady Quinn, real life Thor. Okay. Here's something I agree with in this mock draft, Josh. And as you know, I'm a Steelers Homer. So I don't know if you did this purposely or not, but pick 17, Rick Tay banks is right there and they're taking Tay banks. And I love it. They have drafted two cornerbacks since 2002 in the first round. Either you guys want to guess at who those two cornerbacks might be. One went to the U, other one went to Maryland. Artie Burns. Artie Burns went in 2016. 2002, Rick, they took Chad Scott out of Maryland. I don't know if you remember him. Chad Scott was a converted corner slash safety. People were trying to decide what position he was going to play. Big corner that I think eventually played some safety as well. He played mostly corner at, in um, Pittsburgh, but you're right. That was the conversation. And later in his career, he made a move. He may have moved to center field or closer to the line of scrimmage when he, he moved on from Pittsburgh. But those are the only two corners they've taken in the first round. Tay Banks, I think, would be the best of that group. And Chad Scott had some good seasons in Pittsburgh, not to disparage him. Uh, I love this pick. But, Josh, did you consider for the Steelers there, Miles Murphy, Darnell Wright, or even Osiris Torrance? Yeah, perfectly valid. Uh, I probably got lost in the idea that they need cornerback help and offensive tackle help desperately. But uh, yeah, looking at the value, I mean, it'd be, it would be difficult to pass on Miles Murphy. I love the pick, though. I love Tay Banks, and I loved his season. I thought he had a really good year, and, and as as Rick's talked about, he had a great combine as well. All right, Rick, tell me something you disagree with on this mock draft. Well, uh, Josh, I'd like to hear your explanation on this one. Uh, <laughs> And you've been doing a fine job explaining yourself to these people. <laughs> but you have the Packers taking Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. I don't understand this pick. I mean, you got Mayer out there from Notre Dame. I understand his skill set as a receiver. Uh, hasn't worked out, been injured a lot. But I still think they need defensive help, safety help. Now, I would say receiver, but... They've never taken a receiver since, what, Vince Lombardi was the last time they drafted a receiver, Ryan? 2002, Javon Walker. Same year as Chad yeah. Scott. Yeah. So uh, I had them going with Brian Branch because I always, like I said, my philosophy is look at the depth. If we have Brian Branch up there, because I think that's where he was when you watch the tape, people got a little discouraged when he didn't run as fast as they anticipated him running at the uh, combine, but he's still the only true first round safety, in my opinion, in this draft. So they need help. They, the, uh, Amos is an unrestricted free agent. I think Savage is as uh, average as grits uh, in the back end. They need some help. <laughs> they built the defense last year, you know, taking the defensive tackle and the linebacker from Georgia. So I think they continue to go to the defensive side of the ball and I would have went with um, with uh, the safety from Alabama. Mr. Branch. Brian Branch. By the way, grits, if you add salt and butter, are no longer average. Plain, they, they are pretty average. That's a great saying, Rick. I got to make a note of that. Every once in a while, you have a nugget. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys – Josh, did you grow up in Ohio? Yeah. So did you guys eat grits growing up? Not so much. No, no, 
I, I, I learned the grits when I was a Blesto scout and a combine scout when I first started in the Southeast. I realize. That's where the grits reference came from. Because I ate grits growing up in North Carolina. And again, if you eat them plain, they are incredibly average, but you got to salt and butter those things up. Yeah, I didn't think grits had made their way that far up north. All right, Josh, here's the the one that I disagree with. And I only had one. Unlike Rick, I didn't hate all your picks. I actually liked the majority of them. Um, I'm going to go at pick number 16, right before the Steelers pick. Washington Commanders take Joey Porter Jr., who I love. And I think this may be the range he ends up going. Maybe he goes a little higher, depending on what teams think of him and Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. But um, I only say this because I had them taken a corner in my latest mock draft, and Washington fans were so angry that they didn't take an available offensive lineman. So I'm going to channel those uh, fans, and I'm going to say, ask you, why not Darnell Wright there, a guy who may end up being right tackle one over Dewan Jones, who had a great season. He was a day three guy coming into the year, had a good senior bowl. Um, and we talked, did we talk to him? I can't remember. We talked to so many people. I'm not sure if we, I think we, yeah, we did talk to him. We talked to him, him and Jalen Hyatt off of Tennessee and obviously Hendon Hooker. And, and he talked about the progress that he made. So explain to me why cornerback and not an offensive lineman. Well, it's a position of need. And I happen to value Porter a little bit higher than where I value Darnell right at this point in time. So that was the reason for that. I can't help but think maybe your disagreement for this stems from the fact that Pittsburgh is uh, the very next pick. Maybe you want Joey Porter Jr. going to Pittsburgh. But I also want to address the last pick because Rick asked for it. So why did I take Dalton Kincaid to Green Bay? Um, I like Brian Branch a lot. I think he's like my number 12 overall prospect. I think he's going to be dinged a little bit because of how he performed at the Combine. And we always see these players that do not test well get bumped down the board a little bit. So while I value him that highly, I think that he's going to be going towards the latter half of the first round instead of there at number 15. But I will say the reason that I went offense is because it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is going to move on. So he has been able to, you know, get over the fact that they don't have a lot of offensive weapons in that scheme. But now that you're going to a younger quarterback, he's going to need some weapons to help him excel. And I think Dalton Kincaid is an incredibly mobile athletic tight end that really makes catching the football look easy. So that was my reasoning. Uh, for going offense instead of defense there. And Kikage, your number one tight end, apparently? Well, I think he's I think he's the best pass catcher among that tight end group. I love this tight end class. I could see four going into the first round, but when you're talking about pure pass catchers, I do think Kincaid's probably at the top of that board. What are you laughing at, Rick? <laughs> four? You, you sound like Ryan. There's 250 guys going in the top 50. I can't yeah. see. I, that's my joke. Josh, I say, and and with the 256 pick in the first round, so and so takes because they he and Pete make fun of me for liking everyone. Uh, Don Kincaid, Mike, uh, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington. Which one of those guys isn't a first round pick in your mind, Rick? Musgrave, uh, Washington, although he worked out ridiculous, and then yeah. everybody's going to you know have in the back of their minds the one handed catch at the and the uh, drills that day. Uh, Mayer, I think, is going to be a very good pro football player. I just don't know how big his upside is. I can only see potentially, depending on the run on the corners and uh, the tackles, uh, that I can only see potentially one going in the first round. All right, let's make a dollar bet. i got to make the line right here. I'm going to say top 45 picks, four corners. You want yes or no? 
in the top 44 corners going in the top 45. Oh, sorry, sorry. Top 45 yeah, picks. That. That's like that. Uh, <laughs> old, yeah. Hold on. I got, I got confused. Hey, I, okay, there's, I'll that take that dollar. Yeah, I'll say four corners going in the top 45 picks. I got right. that one. All right, write that down, Debo. Here's he the other one. On the air. Everybody heard it. Tight ends. Okay, here's the other one. Top 45 picks, four tight ends. How about that? Uh, I would say I'll go with the – because you're getting killed on the dollar bets, so I have to give you a chance. Okay. I'll say three go in the top 45. Not All right, Debo. That's the one I meant to say. Don't write down the other one. So. Hell, yeah. No, you said it. You got to live <laughs> up to what you say. Rick. You're responsible. <laughs> you made those decisions in life. You got to – I don't make the decisions for you. So live with Here's the consequences. What- Here's what I've been saying the last few days when Rick starts making excuses, Josh. I said, Rick, I'm going to tell you, like you told Will Levis, don't make excuses. So that's what Rick <laughs> I'm is I'm making now. excuses. I took the bet. That was an easy one. No, that's what you're now telling me. You're giving me the Will Levis tree, but you're telling me not to make excuses. All right. We got that settled, I think. We'll figure it out. Debo smart. That is a wrap on episode 21. Remember, you can give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Thank you for all the support. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thanks to my co-host, Rick Spielman, our guy, Josh Edwards. Thanks to Debo for producing. Have a good weekend, everybody. Excellent job, Josh, by the way. 